Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by Micah Bosworth, who pastors Ridgepoint Baptist Church in Wenatchee, Washington. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Um, pastor told me to make sure that he, I told you he said hi, and he cannot wait to get back to you. He just can't. Every single time I was on the phone with him, uh, he was like, yeah, I'm missing it. You know, I can't. Uh, he came to our church last Sunday morning, and uh, I could tell the whole time he was itching to preach, but he had to hear me preach. And, uh, and then even afterward, we went to lunch, and he was like, yeah, I just, I'm ready to preach again. I'm like, I know. I know how it feels. So I'm, I'm excited that uh, he's excited to get back and uh, to be here and be able to speak to you. And, uh, and so with that, since he's given me the opportunity to speak, uh, I want to speak on something tonight that is kind of awkward for pastors to speak about for themselves. Uh, and, uh, and a little bit of what I'm going to share tonight, I'll give some disclaimers and things like that, but I really want us to know just what, what every church member should know uh, and every staff member should know and every pastor hopefully should know uh, about a pastor and about uh, specifically your pastor. Uh, of course, I told Brian to uh, advertise it like I was going to air out pastors all darkest secrets. Uh, and as a friend, I can't do that to him. So I'm just kidding. Uh, so, but today, I, I really do want to uh, just share from the heart of one pastor uh, what I know uh, all of us want our church families to know uh, as we just continue in the word and continue working for the Lord. And so 1 Timothy chapter number five, where we're gonna start tonight is where we're going to end with the same thought and, uh, and then we'll, we'll have a lot of stuff in between, all right? So uh, 1 Timothy chapter number five and verse 17. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, let the elders or pastors, that's another term for pastor, that rule well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And, he's saying, and the Bible says, the laborer is worthy of his reward. Uh, those who labor in the word, those who rule well, as pastors, as elders, uh, they should be counted worthy, it says, of double honor. And I hope that by the end of the message, we'll all kind of see and agree uh, to that fact. Uh, but before we do that, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer and uh, ask the Lord to bless this time. Lord, we thank you for your word, the way that it speaks to us. Uh, Lord, thank you for the story of the Bible. And as even was said just a moment ago of a sinless Savior coming to live a sinless life and and ultimately, though he did no wrong, paid our sin debt on the cross and died that terrible death so that we could be saved, so that we could know that we're on our way to heaven, that we could be reconciled with you. And thank you for the story of the Bible in that. But Lord, we also thank you for just the practical application in scripture for uh, how church should be, how we should live, uh, and even, Lord, uh, how a pastor should live and specifically what we're going to look at tonight, Lord, how we should relate to our pastors. And God, we pray that you would uh, just bless this time. I pray that you'd speak to us in a special way through it. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now tonight, if you've heard me preach before, tonight's going to be a little bit different in a few different aspects. One, this is going to be very topical. And I'm, I'm like, the topical preaching is hard, okay? And just uh, so you know, uh, trying to, you have to compare multiple scriptures with multiple scriptures, whereas expository preaching, honestly, expository preaching, going through a book, we don't just do it because it, it helps people the best way. Uh, we also do it because it's the easiest way to preach, uh, to be able to just know what you're going through the next week. I love it. And going through the book of Acts, we're about to finish that over in uh, Wenatchee. Uh, it, it's just easy to do. And so topical preaching is a little bit harder. You got to do a lot of study in the scripture and comparing scripture with scripture and things like that. And so it'll be a little bit different in that way. Uh, and also, like, we're, I'm talking, we're getting so topical, I feel like we're, I'm more of giving a TED Talk tonight, okay? I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of joking in that way, but we're, we're going to reference a lot of scripture, uh, but I also want us to see that a lot of the ideas and the things that I'll share tonight, uh, although they might not, some of the ideas might not 
be directly derived from Scripture, the applications that we're going to give with them uh, are a result of the principles we see in Scripture. And so I hope we'll see that as we kind of go through it. But I want to talk to us uh, tonight about what we should know about our pastor. And I have eight points. And I saw some of your eyes get this big, okay? They're not long points, but eight points. And, uh, and they all start with the letter R. They'll probably help us a little bit. But uh, this is just something, what I'm gonna speak tonight about is something that is always on my heart now that I'm a pastor, right? I, uh, I've been a church member with a pastor. I've been on staff uh, at, for a pastor. And, uh, and now I am a pastor, uh, a lead pastor. And so I, I wanna share some thoughts from the scriptures and the realities of a pastor's life to kind of just give us insight uh, on what your pastor goes through and uh, how you can relate to him properly, biblically, and helpfully, how you can relate to him helpfully, uh, especially because here at Moses Lake Baptist Church, we have an awesome pastor. <laughs> we truly do. And uh, I've had in my lifetime, I've had seven pastors uh, from moving to different places, being at college, all of those different things. I've, I've had seven different pastors in my life uh, and, and on top of that, I've interned for multiple pastors on internships. And then on top of that, I've been affiliated and associated with and connected with lots of pastors through different conferences and things like that. And after all of those experiences, I still have to say our pastor here at Moses Lake Baptist is one of the best. Uh, and I mean, just the, uh, and I'm not just saying this just because he's not here and he's too humble to say this about himself, but I, I, I am truly uh, I truly love our pastor. The, the love, the grace, and the servanthood that our pastor here displays is nothing short of Christ-like. And I appreciate everything that he does uh, in those aspects. And, uh, and I, I, I truly, honestly mean that. Uh, and his passion, his vision, they're contagious, right? He gives, the passion he gives in his preaching and the vision that he casts, it just, it's contagious. You catch it and you wanna move forward with it. And so I, I definitely thank and thankful for our pastor uh, here at Moses Lake. And even though I am a pastor, he's still my pastor. That's what I call him. Uh, and I still go to him as my pastor. But some disclaimers I wanna give before we really even dive into some of the points, okay? Some of the things that I'll share tonight might seem a little hard or heavy. It's because they are, okay? <laughs> uh, but in no way am I trying to paint a picture that would make you feel bad for pastor or any pastor, really, okay? I, I don't want to put off any idea tonight that I'm like, oh, poor us, and this is what we go through, and this is what we do. I don't want, I want, don't want that to be your walk away or your takeaway from tonight, okay? Although some of the things I'll share, you'll, it might give insight to go, oh, wow, I never thought about that aspect of pastoral ministry. Um, and then also, I'm not here just to advocate that you give pastor a raise, or that you start giving more to Ridge Point so I can get a raise. Although you should do both of those things. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not here to advocate for that kind of thing, okay? That's not the purpose of this message. I'm not here to give a ho-hum uh, pastors, feel bad for all pastors. And I'm not here to say, uh, like, usually when you read that verse, double honor, they're like, oh, here it comes. We got to give pastor a raise. I'm not here advocating that for that, okay? I'm, I'm here just wanting to share truly from the heart of a pastor uh, what pastors go through. And so with some of those disclaimers, okay, let's dive right into our study tonight. The first thing I want us to notice about pastors, I want you to notice the realness of a pastor, okay? What I mean by that is this. Did you know your pastor is a real-life person? Did you know that? Not everyone knows that. <laughs> uh, sometimes we put them up on these pedestals and we see them as some like superhuman Christians, right? <laughs> right? We, we see them put up on this pedestal and we uh, many times because of that forget that they're real life people. They, they live real life just like we do every single day. They have a lot of the same trials and struggles that we go through each and every day. Uh, they have to fight temptation just like you do. They, they have a lot of the same real life responsibilities that you do. When they go home, their wife has the same amount of chores for him as your wife does when you go home. I'm just saying they're real people, okay? Pastors are real life people. Uh, they, they have wives, they have chores, they have kids, they have hobbies, okay? They're real life people. Uh, and, and it's important to know that because 
A lot of times we forget those kinds of things because we only see them in their pastoral role, right? We only see them at ministry events. We only see them in the pulpit a lot of times. And so sometimes we can just forget he's a person. He's a real life person. Uh, And before any of his pastoral responsibilities kick in, uh, he has to follow the same biblical commands that you and I do. We, uh, uh, he has to, prior to even getting into any pastoral responsibilities, one of his first responsibilities is he has to love his wife biblically just like you do. Uh, he has to parent his children biblically just like you do. And, and guess what? Because he's a real life person, he messes up sometimes. Right? Like sometimes pastors mess up, but, but I, I just, I mean, think about some of the people that we know in the New Testament who were pastors. Peter. Like really, Peter was a pastor, okay? Uh, case in point, right? People mess up even if they're a pastor. Uh, I think of even Peter, his ministry, Paul at one point, he write, uh, writes in one of his letters, I had to withstand Peter to the face because he was messing up. I mean, he, he just had the wrong mindset about something. And, and Peter, prior to being a pastor, messed up. James, the brother of Jesus, we see him as a pastor, and yet we see some of his shortcomings. And Timothy, uh, Paul had to remind Timothy, hey, you're young uh, but don't let that, don't let people despise you because of that. But that would have been a shortcoming that most likely young pastors, I'm there, mess up, okay? And so uh, we need to realize that pastors are real life people and sometimes they mess up. And because pastors are real life people, it means they ha- actually have, as I said, some responsibilities that come before their responsibilities as a pastor, um, some of these play into him being a pastor, some of these responsibilities, but they actually should take priority before the responsibility of a pastor. First of all, every pastor is a Christian. That's the first responsibility. His first uh, responsibility is his personal daily walk with Jesus Christ. Being in the word, being in prayer, soul winning, winning people to Christ for the Lord. I mean, that is his first priority, being a Christian, just going through life as a Christian and the way that the Bible teaches us to do that. He's a Christian. Number two, he's a husband. That's his second responsibility to his wife. He has the first responsibility to, with his relationship with Christ, then his responsibility to his wife to love her and to cherish her as Christ does the church and to do all of those things. And then third, he's a father, many times, our, our pastor specifically is, uh, is a father. And so he has to parent his children uh, is the next responsibility. All of these things take precedence even to his pastoral pa- uh, responsibilities of number four. He's a pastor. And then there's a lot of things that might define a pastor after those things, like he's a Washingtonian and he's American and those things are gonna dictate how he votes and whatever, you know, other things that are maybe even after pastor, but that should be the order that we remember our pastor is. He's first of all a Christian because he's a real life person. Uh, he, he doesn't just have the aura of pastor in front of people. He, he's, he's got to live the regular Christian life just like everyone else and dedicate himself to that. He's got to be the husband he's supposed to be, and he's got to be the father that he's supposed to be. And specifically, as I said, those things play into how he pastors. We'll see that in just a moment when we look at some of the qualifications that the way he loves his wife and the way he uh, parents his children actually will help him to be the pastor he's supposed to. That's why they come first in responsibility order. So he's a Christian, he's a husband, he's a father, then he's a pastor. And I say all of that just to say our pastor is a real person. And I hope we'll keep that in mind Uh, as we start to kind of go through some of these other points together tonight, okay? First of all, we just gotta remember, he's a a real-life person, okay? Just like we are, everyday person. So number one, the realness of your pastor, okay? Number two, the requirements of a pastor. The requirements of a pastor. Go to 1 Timothy, uh, you're you're already in 1 Timothy 5, but go to 1 Timothy 3. Chapter number three, verses one through seven. This is what Paul says to Timothy. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. 
A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetousness, or not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Now turn over to Titus, a couple books over, okay? So 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, then Titus, chapter number one. Some of these repeat, but he says this in verses five through nine. He says, for this cause uh, left I thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, uh, sober, just, uh, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Man, you go through that list, that's a, that's a lot, I mean, he has to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not a lover of money. He has to be gentle. He can't be quarrelsome or always looking for a fight or an argument. He has to be a good manager of his own family with obedient children, uh, not a new convert. He has to be someone who's a mature believer. Uh, a good, he has to have a good reputation with people outside the church even is what it says. He has to be blameless. Uh, Titus, he goes and says some of these again, faithful to his wife, uh, a man whose children are not open to be charged of being wild or riotous, riotous or disobedient. He has to be a steward of God's household, the people that God's given to him. And so he, again, says he has to be blameless. He can't be overbearing. He is not to be quick-tempered. Uh, he's not to be violent or pursue dishonest gain. He uh, has to be one who loves what is good. Uh, he has to be self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Woo! Right? <laughs> Think about it this way. Uh, I love the last one he meant in Titus. He says he has to hold firmly to the word so that one, he can encourage others by sound doctrine, but also so that those who come against sound doctrine, he can refute them. That's a big one. Then think about on job applications for just a moment. <laughs> on qualifications, right? That uh, a job description or requirements for a job in a lot of places like fast food don't have a lot of requirements other than must be able to smile, have a good attitude, and work well with others. Sadly, that's hard to find even today in today's world, right? Can smile, have a good attitude, and works well with others. And, but a lot of those job applications just say a couple things like that because they can teach you uh, how to be a cashier or how to make the food, especially at like Taco Bell. You just throw stuff in a tortilla or on chips. It's all the same. It's just different what it comes in, what it's packaged in. But they can teach you all of that stuff. Now, if you know those things, it's a plus, but they can teach you those things. Uh, they, they just ask that you kind of have some basic character qualities, right? But did you just go through that same list that I did in 1 Timothy and Titus on pastors? Those are not only the things that the pastor must do on the job. Those are also like prerequisites for the job <laughs> that uh, he has to be able to uh, fulfill each and every one of these things to even be qualified to be a pastor, and then uh, to break, to break one. You know that doesn't mean now. That doesn't mean like if my child disobeys. Oh, it said children have to be obedient. He's out of ministry. Okay, we understand uh, what we're what we're saying here. When I am about to say that to break one is to disqualify you from ministry. But like, but that's that's how serious the job of a pastor is. That if he is consistently not able to fulfill these requirements, that he's not going. To, he, certain aspects of his pastoral ministry are gonna fail if he can't hold these up. And so these requirements, 
I'm glad they're high because I don't want someone leading me spiritually that, that isn't in tune with God and his will. Uh, and really, even though these are qual- qualities for pastors, I would say these are really qualities that all of us as Christians should strive to be. Uh, but, but especially as pastors, they've got to follow these certain requirements and qualifications. And man, when we keep that in perspective on all that's going on in a pastor's mind or heart as he ministers and, and as he tries to keep himself in his first responsibility in a relationship with Christ so that he can fulfill all of these things. Man, that's a lot on one person's plate. Well, think about this also, not just the requirements of the pastor, okay? Not just that he's a real person, but the, my third point is this. Think about the roles of a pastor, we see him in scripture uh, said this way, elder, bishop, or pastor. Those are kind of the three words uh, that are often used for the office of a pastor. And the elder is just really uh, the thought of he's a leader, okay? He's, he's to lead people. A bishop is the word that means an overseer. Uh, he's to uh, the heed what's taking place, okay? What the three that are uh, often said is the pastor is supposed to lead, and heed and feed. The last one is to be a shepherd. That word pastor can literally mean to shepherd a flock. And that's why often when you talk about a pastor, I think of Peter specifically and Paul in Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, they say feed the flock of God. You're shepherding a flock. And so a pastor has these roles of leading and of uh, overseeing and of shepherding people. And we see these three words and ideas. The reason we... Uh, say from scripture, those are all three, one really office is because multiple times these are used interchangeably throughout the New Testament. In Acts chapter 20, excuse me, when Paul's talking about uh, or talking to the elders of Ephesus, he reminds them to take heed to themselves and to all the flock that God had made them overseers of. That's the word we get bishop from. And then he tells them to feed or shepherd or pastor the church of God. Uh, and then in First Peter, he says, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, for Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, uh, not be constrained, but willing, uh, not by constraint, but willingly, but not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Do you see the Oversight, he says the overseeing again and the feeding of the flock or the shepherding of the flock, uh, all under the first title, he says, of leading, an, uh, an elder. And so we see these roles all kind of being uh, the same office, but those roles then uh, lead into point number four, responsibilities, okay? Those three roles uh, lead into responsibilities for every pastor, uh, so what are some things that a pastor would have to do under the responsibility of leading people? Well, just kind of get practical with it. Uh, our, our pastor has to lead a staff, right? Many times pastors lead a staff, uh, whether it's a staff of one person or a staff of uh, 50 or however big the church might be, they have a staff to lead. Uh, they're leading a church in making decisions many times, right? Uh, they're leading by example, in a lot of areas. They're leading by example in how to witness and how to read your Bible and how to love your wife and how to parent your children. Uh, the Bible says, uh, in, and Peter specifically is the one who writes it, that you would be in examples to the flock. So they're leading by example. They're leading new believers by helping disciple them to make right decisions. They're leading seasoned believers to fall back in love with God or to continue and, and not stray from the path. They're consistently leading uh, people to do these different things. Uh, I think of heeding or overseeing things. What are some things that a pastor oversees? He see, well, he oversees a flock as a whole. Uh, he oversees your soul. Hebrew says that they, they're overseers or they watch for your very soul. Uh, man, I think of, as a, from a pastor's heart, the, per, the people that God has entrusted you with to speak to and to disciple and to lead. Uh, man, when you pray for them and you know what they're going through and you know what they're struggling with even sometimes, man, the watching over the soul is some of the heaviest stuff on your heart that, man, I, I just wish, God, that they would know your grace to be able to get through this. And, and it says, though, that one of the things they oversee that they watch is even your very own soul. They're trying to oversee and help lead you to righteousness in that way. They, 
many times oversee finances, whether they're directly involved with it or whether they're uh, someone else, like a treasurer or something like that is, they are usually the top, uh, the, I use the word top dog, they're the top of overseeing those finances, okay? They, they oversee activities, they oversee departments, they oversee curriculums that might be taught, uh, they oversee building programs, and you want to give stress to a pastor, I don't know how he's about to do it, building programs, okay? Like overseeing stuff like that, that's just more added to your plate on what you're supposed to oversee. Overseeing events, whether outreach events or special Sundays, just overseeing that. And, uh, and, and uh, what's the word? The thing I'm terrible at. Administration. <laughs> Administering all of those things, okay? On top of that, uh, is part of that oversight and making sure that you administer a lot of those things. And then feeding um, that's teaching, right? Teaching lessons from the Word of God, preaching sermons from the Word of God, and those things take preparation. Uh, a lot of uh, some people think, you know, you can just stand up, open the Bible, read it, and then talk about it for forty minutes. You can't. I mean, someone can, but it might not be that good. Uh, it, for in order to actually prepare and have something that's helpful. And to have something that is from the Lord and is spirit-led and to have something uh, that uh, is also not repetitive, that you're not saying the exact same thing every single lesson that you teach or every single sermon that you preach, uh, uh, and actually to organize thoughts and to organize how you're going to present the passage, all of those things take preparation and take time in order to help fulfill the role or the responsibility of feeding people, of feeding the flock of God. There are other ways that there, uh, the pastor feeds uh, the word of God to people. There's things like marriage counseling, discipleship, uh, counseling people through sin, sin addictions. Add on to all of that that he's doing in the church, he also might be asked to fulfill some of those roles or responsibilities outside the church, to teach other pastors or to preach at camps or VBSs or conferences. Uh, I think of even our pastor chaplaining for first responders, and some people do that for sports teams. That's added feeding and oversight that's taking place now in the pastor's everyday ministry. And so responsibilities uh, that we're about to break them down more and more and more, okay? So there's roles, that's just kind of like what they are, which flow into responsibilities that then are going to flow into some realities that the pastor faces, okay? That's my number five. We're almost there, five, okay? We, I said eight, we're on five, okay? Realities that your pastor faces as a result of many of his responsibilities. The first one I have on here a reality that every pastor faces because of every single response, his roles that flow into responsibilities, the realities that then come about, first of all, are a busy schedule. <laughs> Man, let, let me unpack some of this for you that I wrote down. This isn't me, praise the Lord. I don't have three message preparations a week yet, okay? So, but most pastors, I did a lot of these uh, just talk to pastor friends. These are the most often mentioned ones out of all my pastor friends that I asked in, the, in recent weeks uh, what took place. And I just took what they said, uh, how many hours they said uh, they took on these things, and then just kind of put it all into one work week uh, averages, okay? So here's, here's what a, a busy schedule might look like for many pastors. First of all, three message preparations. That's about 25 to 30 hours worth of study. Okay, if it's going to actually be good, okay, 25 to 30 hours of study uh, for most pastors for three messages of some kind. Uh, two discipleship appointments in the week. So that's two hours. They always go longer than an hour, but we put two hours down, okay? One staff meeting, two hours, okay? Phone calls with all kinds of people, other pastors asking him to do things, people in the city, real estate agents, whatever the case might be, four hours in the week on phone calls, door knocking or other outreach, anywhere from two to five hours in a week, four counseling sessions outside of uh, some kind of discipleship, uh, that'd be five hours in the week. I don't know if you're doing the math along with me, that's already 48 hours in a week. Let's add on, okay, here we go. Add on to that ministering during the three service that he prepared all of those sermons for. Okay, if all, those, if all those services are only three hours long, that's three more hours in the week, but 
most services aren't just one hour long, right? Especially here when you got a long-winded preacher, okay? No, 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 they, they're a little bit longer, okay? And they go, they, they, that could be anywhere from three to five hours uh, added onto the work schedule of the week, okay? Um, in the middle of all of that, he has to make time to plan ahead for sermon series or events at the church or vision Sundays, things that are ahead of the game, okay? You can't just go week by week or you're gonna start actually falling behind. You gotta plan ahead of things, so you gotta put time in your schedule to do that. Uh, if there's a special event or an outreach, I think like some of the Into the City outreaches that are about to take place here and the Fair Booth outreach this week, uh, the pastor's not just gonna not show up to those things. Like He's gonna put in out the same hours that everyone else is on top of what he's already doing in the week to make sure that he's a part of those outreaches or special events. Uh, maybe one week he had a funeral to do as well in all of that. Uh, that could be anywhere from one hour, if it's just the service, to four hours if he's supposed to be there for the meal that takes place afterward and everyone talking or whatever the case might be. That can take up some time. Uh, and again, like I said, this is not to say, oh, poor us. We enjoy the ministry, okay? We love that we get to be a part of a lot of these things. I I'm just trying to show us the reality of what takes place in a pastor's life. Uh, and then I add to that maybe, especially for our pastor, a, ch a couple of chaplain calls in a week uh, the where he has to go to to a scene where maybe someone passed away. And uh, so that, that adds time into his schedule, but also might add some more counseling sessions down the road in the next couple of weeks that also get added to his schedule. Then add to that any possible emergency room visits, any weddings that might take place, problems that arise with church equipment, a toilet goes out, he's gotta go and uh, make sure that he gets the right plumber that's not gonna overcharge and maybe overlook, overlooks... He, a lot of times we pass that kind of stuff off to anyone we can, right? But we still got to oversee it. That's stuff that takes place in a pastor's life. And not all of these things, like I said, not all of these things are on every single pastor's plate. Uh, but as I just talked with random pastors across the board, pastor friends that I have, uh, these are a lot of the things that are, are most common things that take place in a pastor's everyday week. And so then you may ask, well, what about his day off? Yeah, that's right. He's supposed to add a day off somewhere in there so he doesn't burn out and he actually has a day off. So all of the stuff that we just talked about, he has to fit into one less day in a week to do, okay? Uh, but even because of the reality and the nature of the ministry, uh, a pastor may not get a full day off because of an emergency call of some kind. And that's just the nature of the ministry that that could sometimes happen. I think of this very week in my own life, okay? I'm, I would never tell this to our church family because, again, it's awkward to say things like this to your own church family, but I'll tell you, this past week, okay, I just started counting up. I preached a camp this past week from Sunday night last week to Friday night, okay? Really, Saturday morning is when we left, so all week I was gone uh, doing a camp, and from, from all of that, just counting the services I was a part of, that I preached every single one of, okay? Just counting the services, I put in 28 hours just in services because of camp, okay? Add to that that camp started at 9 a.m. and went till about 10.30 to 11.30 at night, every single night. And as a camp speaker, you're like, you're like ministering to the teens in between and talking to them. And yeah, you have lunch breaks and breakfast breaks and stuff like that, but even those you're at a table with teens, right? You're ministering to people. So think about all of the time that I was just awake doing ministry at the camp was about 67 and a half hours, okay, this week. Just that, okay? Sunday is always coming. <laughs> and I still had to prepare for this morning's message that I still, as a pastor, had the responsibility to feed the flock of God that has, God has given me oversight of, okay? That I had to make time to prepare for that message and make sure that it wasn't something that someone else wrote, that I actually did the study and wrote, and wrote the message and made it coherent and went through, you know, it just put, putting that time in. And then we had the business meeting this morning that I had to prepare for. I'm just saying, like, it takes place, and I didn't as a church member and even sometimes as a staff member don't understand how much really can sometimes go into a week. Uh, I thought I knew what being a pastor was gonna be like, okay? I was like, no, nah, no, I've seen pastors pastor. I'm, I've been a staff member for almost, you know, a little over six years. I saw my pastor do things for six years. Then I became a pastor, and I was like, what did I get myself into? You know, like, I mean, you just, you can't prepare, really, even your mind, if you're not in that position. And so it's just 
a reality that takes place is a busy schedule. Another reality that takes place uh, in the life of a pastor is criticism. Oh man, I wish, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this one, but critics on every side. Critics that, uh, from people who come to your church or just visit the church, critics from people in the community, uh, critics from even sometimes family members, uh, sadly, even sometimes criticism from other pastors, just critics on every side on how you're doing things or what you're doing. Think, think about it this way, that uh, just take example for what I just explained. My whole week was, and I still put as much study as I could into a Sunday morning service, okay, and preached my guts out this morning in church. And then uh, one of our guests, we had a couple guests this morning. Let's just say, this, this is a hypothetical, okay, but it's something that happened a few weeks back, so I'm just using it as this week's hypothetical. So let's say one of those guests comes, and the reason they're never coming back to our church isn't because I didn't, I didn't, I was very obviously not studied, and I didn't preach the word, and anything like that, is because I'm too dressed up for church. I was dressed like this, something like this, or, and then one of the other guests doesn't come back because I'm not dressed up enough. I mean, can you imagine, though, how a pastor can put so much work into something and then critics on every side from wherever uh, just decide they're going to personify the pastor in a certain way just because of how they even dress or what they do, things that shouldn't matter in the spectrum of his pastoral ministry. And yet, it's just a reality that because the pastor is consistently in front of people and because the pastor is consistently opening the word of God and because the pastor is consistently amidst uh, ministry, ministering to uh, all kinds of situations and all kinds of people from different uh, backgrounds and political parties and all of that, criticism is just naturally going to come as a reality of being a pastor. But another reality that can come in the life of a pastor because of a lot of these responsibilities is discouragement. Uh, discouragement from critics. <laughs> discouragement from consistently being around a bunch of people with terrible, terrible situations. Uh, I mean, think about, there might be a week where a pastor, all he deals with the whole week is death and divorce and just like every, every bad situation someone can be in, that's all of his counseling that week. Uh, think, think about how that might discourage you if that was all you were thinking on all week. And uh, so sometimes discouragement can come from just consistently being around people that are in really bad situations. Um, uh, discouragement can come from seeing other pastor friends fail in the ministry or, or, uh, or get out of the ministry because they're just done with it and they got discouraged and quit. And, and discouragement from, man, I just wish they could have made it. And, and discouragement can come in that way. Discouragement can come from not feeling like I give my family enough time. Uh, or feeling like I, I didn't do my best in a particular sermon. I mean, I know in my life, every single Monday, the devil tries to tell me no one is coming back the next Sunday. And I have to believe him because I know how I preach. And, and yet, the Lord always surprises me the next Sunday that people still show up. And, and it's just something that can uh, be in the life of a pastor. Discouragement from not feeling like he did his best necessarily in a sermon. And then sometimes discouragement can just come as a result of being tired. You ever been there? Just a busy season of life and you're just tired and get discouraged just because you're tired and, and uh, run down a little bit. And so uh, these are just some realities that can take place in the life of a pastor because of the fact of his roles that turn into responsibilities. These realities just kind of naturally flow out of those responsibilities that he's always a part of. But something else about a pastor, and this is number six, is the review of your pastor's work. This is what I, I purposely did these all are so I would remember them, okay? The review of your pastor's work. Think about these verses. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. In James, he writes, my brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. James is saying, hey, not everyone excuse me, should be a teacher or a preacher of the word of God because those who fulfill that role will actually be judged more strictly. They'll actually be under greater scrutiny for how they taught the word of God because those teaching the word of God actually affect how other people live out their faith. So they're gonna fall under even greater scrutiny uh, for how they fulfill that role. I mean, are you scared of your boss? Imagine God Almighty being the one who gives your end of the year review, right? I mean, uh, just saying, uh, there's some weight 
to the fact of the role as a pastor uh, for all that uh, he's going to give an account for one day for how he's led and how he's fed and how he's overseen those things that take place. And so if all of that is true about a pastor, and it is, okay, uh, how can then, number seven, we, we focus on the relationship between you and your pastor? Okay, that's what I really wanted to get to because all of the realities that we just talked about of how he has to fulfill certain requirements and responsibilities and roles that just flow out into some, sometimes some heavy realities in life, uh, then how can we who uh, are underneath a pastor's leadership that God's put us here under a pastor, how can we then relate to him biblically and helpfully? How do we relate to our pastor? I believe one way that we can in scripture is that that verse in Hebrews chapter 13, where it says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. What he's saying is this, trust, put confidence in and follow your pastor's leadership, okay? Trust and follow his leadership. We, we look at that word obey and we're like, oh, no one can tell me what to do, right? Okay, but the word obey there is really just talking about putting your confidence in what he's leading you to do. Uh, trusting and following his leadership is one way that we can uh, be a part of helping and relating to our pastor. Now, there's a lot in the Bible, even Peter writes about this and uh, Paul writes about it in Galatians that if the pastor's doing something sinful, we call him out for it, okay? We don't, we don't hide it under the rug or push, sweep it away or anything like that because just because he's our pastor. Like, if, if the pastor's doing something wrong, we deal with that, Okay? But to the best of our knowledge and by his example of leading, when we have a pastor who is faithful in the word and faithful to lead and faithful to consistently just do what God uh, wants him to do and God is obviously blessing as a result of that, man, one of the best ways we can relate to our pastor in that situation is to just trust him and, and, and to follow the leadership that he provides in our life. And then another way, and this is probably one of the biggest how can we relate to our pastor? We can pray for him. Man, think about all that we just talked about that a pastor has on his plate and, and has to think about and making sure that he's qualified, always qualified for ministry and all of those things. We can pray for him. Some good ways that we can pray is we can pray that our pastor has wisdom. He's got a lot of decisions that he has to make. We can pray for wisdom in those decisions. We can pray for protection, not just physically, but pray that... God would protect his heart, protect his eyes, protect everything. That God would protect him because uh, the reality is this, because a pastor has such a, an intimate role in so many people's lives, Satan would love, Satan would love to take down a pastor. And you can't imagine the things that might be on, uh, on Satan's mind to throw at your pastor because he knows if he can get a pastor, he might be able to get even more than just the pastor just because of the intimate role that a pastor plays in the life of people. And so pray that God would protect him and that uh, he would consistently just uh, walk with the Lord to be protected in all of those ways. Pray for wisdom, pray for protection, pray for his family. Families oftentimes, as much as the pastor wants to and wills to and tries to, uh, make them their, his first and second responsibility or his second and third after being a, a Christian in his relationship with the Lord prior to being a pastor. Oftentimes still this week, I mean, I just gave you my work week. You think I had a lot of time to spend with the girls this week? And, and so pray for the family as they a lot of times sacrifice some time. And of course, as pastors, the knowing our responsibility this week, I'm gonna spend some extra time with the girls uh, that I can to make up for it. But but just pray for their family and what they might even go through. Sometimes even the family, because they're related to the pastor, face some of the same criticism and things that come their way. Pray, uh, pray that your pastor can withstand the critics and the bullies. Some people, they just go past criticism and they just bully people. Pray that he can withstand those critics and those bullies. Pray, pray against discouragement. Pray that he wouldn't be discouraged from comparing himself to someone else's ministry, that uh, he, he sees someone else who's in the same exact situation as him and yet has 7,500 people in his church. Uh, pray that that discouragement wouldn't take place. That's just human. 
that things might take place in someone's heart that way. And so pray that discouragement, pray against a, a discouragement from comparison. Uh, pray against discouragement from people leaving the church or for disunity that might take place in people's lives. Pray against discouragement in his life from feeling like he isn't making a difference. Uh, that uh, many times you pour and pour and pour into people and you don't consistently see the fruit and it's, it's hard to just stay faithful in it, right? Uh, I, I remember just being on staff, consistently pouring into someone and then them falling off the face of the earth and just being discouraged in that. And, and so pray, uh, that, pray against that discouragement that might try to edge its way into a pastor's heart. Uh, and then pray that God would consistently use him in a few different ways. Pray that God would use him in your life. Pray that God would use him in your church. Pray that God would use him in your community. And pray that God would use him even outside of those, maybe in other churches and things like that. Just pray that God would consistently use your pastor in whatever capacity that he ministers. We can trust and follow his leadership. We can pray for him, but then also we can encourage him. Praying for a pastor encourages him like no other. There are a couple steps sometimes we can take even farther than that to just be an encouragement to our pastor. We can, I don't think you realize how easy it is to encourage your pastor sometimes. Being faithful to be in church is such an encouragement to your pastor. Man, when he looks out and he sees you just listening, man, that is such an encouragement. You spend all that time working on a message and then you show up and half of the congregation is gone, man, it's hard to fight the the discouragement in that time. So one of the best, easiest ways just to encourage your pastor is just be here, be in your place. And when you're here, fulfill your role in the church. Uh, Whatever you do in the church, children's class uh, uh, or nursery or music or anything, just fulfill that role faithfully. That's one way to refresh or or encourage your pastor. Uh, Let him know. Let him know when the Lord uses something that he says to speak to your heart. That's an easy way to encourage your pastor. When God speaks to your heart from something that he said, let him know about it. Even in uh, uh, Galatians, I believe it is, Paul alludes to that fact that when you're taught from someone in the word, that you would let them know about that. Uh, Maybe you uh, would uh, ask him specifically how you can pray for him. Not just in general terms, but hey, pastor, what's going on this week that I could pray for? Oh, you know what? I, I, I'm glad you asked. I'm gonna be at this place on Wednesday night. I'm gonna meet this person who's not saved on Thursday. Whatever the case might be, ask him how you can pray maybe specifically for him. Uh, write him an encouraging note from time to time. Uh, it might encourage, these, these are all just normal ways that we encourage other people, right? But sometimes someone who really needs encouragement, we, we sometimes forget and he's on the back burner of our minds uh, to be that we would do these encouraging things. And so uh, th- these are just ways that we relate to our pastor. Trust, follow his leadership, that God's placed him there in your life for a reason and trust and follow that leadership and then pray for him and then encourage him. And then just because I don't wanna end on, a, on a, uh, one of the sad notes or the, uh, or the oh, this is what you gotta do to your pastor type thing, I just wanna share with you also my last point the rewards of being a pastor. Man, I just gotta share some things with you. Like I said, I don't want this to be a downer message at all. Oh man, I didn't think about all the terrible things that pastor goes through, okay? That's not at all what I want. I want you to know pastoring is one of the most rewarding things on this earth. Man, to see consistently lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, man, there's nothing like it. To consistently see something that you've been preaching for six weeks straight in a series finally click in someone's head and it completely changes their marriage or just life change in general. Seeing that on a consistent basis, nothing like it. Being a part of someone's every single step of walking with the Lord, being there when they got saved, whether it was from a message you preached or you leading them to the Lord or just you're the pastor of the church that they got saved in, being there when they got saved, being the one to baptize them, seeing them discipled, seeing them get involved in a ministry, just seeing every next step of believers, man, there's nothing like it. It is amazing. Seeing God work behind the scenes on some things that some people never even see 
but the pastor and maybe even sometimes just the staff sees sometimes how God works behind the scenes, and there's nothing like it. Just to see God working behind the scenes in so many ways. And then I love this. This is how my wife words it. You get paid to serve Jesus. Man, that is a wonderful reward of being a pastor. In this sense, we're all called to serve Jesus, okay? We're all called to do it, but I get the privilege of saying that not only am I called to do it because God calls us all to do it, but like that's where I get my livelihood. (laughs) I get to do it every single day and get paid to do so. Uh, because God has called me specifically to that role. Man, it is is just amazing to see uh, when when you finally just see from this side. I wish I I could make you all a pastor for a day so that you could just see, man, how some of the rewards of being a pastor are, are unmatched in a lot of ways. And so this isn't a message to say, feel sorry for us. This is really a message to say, Here's the reality of pastoring. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you didn't know some of the things and maybe it just gives you more insight on, man, man, maybe I can do this to encourage my pastor. Maybe now I know how to pray for him even more specifically and and encourage him and to provoke him to keep going on and on and on. But let me just end, like I said, where we began, okay? This is where I wanna end it. Again, I'm not advocating for a raise or anything, but that verse In 1 Timothy, it says, if you have a good pastor, which I believe we do, (laughs) he should be counted worthy of double honor. The word honor there can mean both reverence and respect, but it can also mean price or, as we would say, paycheck. (laughs) Okay? Uh, Man, someone who rules well, does well, and and, uh, follows through with the best of their ability and heart to just be close to the Lord and to help lead other people to do the same in that role as pastor. If you have a pastor that does that, especially one who, as he says, continuously labors, because it is labor in the word and teaches the word, man, we need to take care of him. What are some ways we can do that? Yeah, we can pay him. Okay, that's an easy one. We can just throw money at him. That's an easy way to take care of him. But one of the, some of the hard ways are those ones we just talked about, just being an encouragement. And, and, and praying for him and just being a part of that group that just follows and trusts his leadership. What a great way that we can take care of our pastor. Pray for him, encourage him, and trust and follow him as he is trusting and following our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.